My name is Tracy, and I'm a people pleaser. I won't even say recovering people pleaser, because that's not how it's done in the recovery programs. But I heard something recently that might actually shame me into permanent people-pleasing remission, and I'm going to share it with you now. Tracy here. Welcome to Season 2 of the Essential Stepmom Podcast, unconventional advice and inspiration about the womanly art of raising someone else's kids. Why unconventional? Because statistics show that nearly three quarters of step families don't last more than five years. So the conventional wisdom, the general consensus, the status quo are all leading stepmoms straight for the gutter. In this podcast, we look outside the box for better answers, for counterintuitive strategies to help us fight the instincts that don't serve us well and to grow a new parenting reflex that really supports us and everyone else on this crazy journey. This season will feature interviews with some of the most interesting people I know, sharing their outside-the-box expertise as it applies specifically to step families. You're going to hear about modern Buddhism in step parenting, the stress around money in step parenting, new perspectives and insights about bio moms, how to deal with the prospect of never having a child of your own, coping with burnout and adrenal exhaustion, and using the challenges of step parenting to truly become that better version of yourself. I sent out an email this week to my private stepmom email community and I got such humbling feedback. One reader posted her comment to our Facebook group and said, pure genius, highly recommended. I'm seriously so flattered. The topic of my email was happiness and what you have to do to wrap your head around feeling like you deserve it, like as a priority, not after everyone else has been taken care of. So I thought I'd elaborate a bit here and add something that I didn't have the time or space to talk about in the email itself. By the way, if you're not a member of my email tribe, just send me a message to info at essentialstepmom.com with the subject add me and I'll put you on my list. What I confessed in that email I sent out to my members was that I am a born people pleaser. I said that's the story I tell myself that it's my job in life somehow to make other people happy. I went through most of my life sort of arranging things so that my own happiness would be situated at the end of a long to-do list of things that would result in other people's happiness. I don't think I was ever able to feel okay if the others around me weren't already okay. I'm actually a really cheerful person. It's easy for me to be, feel happy, but to actually put my own happiness at the head of my own to-do list is really, really hard for me to do. Of course, being a people pleaser is a very socially acceptable thing. It makes you pretty popular, I mean, as a friend or a wife or a daughter. Giving is a good thing, right? And I saw it modeled for me at home. Although this doesn't really explain why I was already a people pleasing infant and a toddler. My mom especially is really good at doing and giving, so maybe it came to me genetically, at least in part. 
But by the time I was getting ready to leave a dysfunctional marriage, it had become clear that there's a lot of scope for people-pleasing to go wrong. Lots of folks are genetically wired to be takers, and it becomes a kind of game where they test the limits of your giving capacity. As my present husband and the father of my stepkids like to say, their motto is, we're not happy until you're not happy. This would probably be a good moment for me to interject the word codependency here. I used to think that was a term for couples who were sort of joined at the hip, you know, who needed to do everything together. That's not it at all. A codependent relationship is one where you willingly sacrifice something necessary to yourself for the other person. It's like an addiction to sacrificing something important about yourself for your partner's welfare. And the more you lose, the more you want to keep giving, no matter how much it hurts. No wonder they treat people for this at Al-Anon. This would probably be a good moment for me to interject the word codependency here. I used to think that was a term for couples who were sort of joined at the hip, you know, who needed to do everything together. That's not it at all. A codependent relationship is one where you willingly sacrifice something necessary to yourself for the other person. It's like an addiction to sacrificing something important about yourself for your partner's welfare. And the more you lose, the more you want to keep giving, no matter how much it hurts. No wonder they treat people for this at Al-Anon. So when I first heard about putting on your oxygen mask, it was like a revelation to me. You know where this comes from. If you've ever been on a plane, you've heard this phrase on every pre-flight announcement, on every single taxi down the tarmac, over and over. Why do you think they need to keep saying that? Isn't it obvious? Well, no, it's not obvious to people like you and me. I'm going to assume that if you weren't resonating with this, you would have switched to another podcast by now. The point is that you and me, our reflex, our impulse, is to help others first and then take care of ourselves. We need to be reminded because it's not what we would do naturally. And if we follow our first instinct, we'll pass out from lack of oxygen before we manage to help anyone else or at least before the crisis is resolved, like how would it help your child to be safely wearing an oxygen mask beside their unconscious and helpless mother? How would that play out? So looking back, I can say that this was phase one of my recovery program. Of course, you have to put on your own mask before helping any other passengers. Of course, you have to take care of yourself so you can take care of others. I was so relieved to know that putting yourself first was a thing outside the context of air travel and that it made sense. This metaphor is used as the basis of prioritizing self-care, making time for things like meditation, massage, exercise, creative pursuits, being with friends. You have to care for yourself first, put on your oxygen mask as it were, because if you get sick or burn out emotionally or spiritually, you're no good to anyone. So once I learned this, I was able to change the story I told myself. My new head game was that 
I prioritize my own well-being for the benefit of my family, my friends, my loved ones. I deserve to be well, principally, and maybe only, because my posse needs me to be well. Did you catch what I just did there? Yeah, I'm real good at this. And that's been my story for years. It's hard to see your own story, by the way. It's something running in the background, like a program you don't have access to the code for. It's the glasses you're wearing that you can't take off. You know that joke about the goldfish? Where one goldfish says to the other, how's the water today? And the other goldfish says, what's water? Anyway, it was definitely a start for me, at least, to be able to prioritize my wellness and my happiness by thinking of how much my family needed me to be well and happy. But I was still stuck in the catch-22 of it. I still needed other people to somehow justify my right to be good and happy. There was still a tinge of selfish associated with letting someone else put me first. I'm going to ask you a question. Let's be a little interactive here. How would it feel for you to say, I need you to do this for me, even if you have something else to do right now, or you don't have the energy to help me. I need you to put me before yourself. Raise your hand if the thought of doing that makes your skin crawl just a little. So phase one wasn't going to be enough. I was going to need something more. I had worked on this problem when I went to my first meditation course almost 20 years ago now. I had to reconcile the concept of selflessness because, well, isn't that the goal of a spiritual practice? Isn't being selfish like the highest ideal? What I didn't understand is that I was trying to skip over a very important piece of the puzzle. And that's the part where you're completely okay with yourself, even if you're not giving or doing or pleasing someone else. The part where your own self-worth isn't tied to the activity of pleasing others. Like you're completely okay when you open your eyes in the morning before you've had any thoughts or crossed anything off your to-do list. And if that's not true, then you're pleasing others for a subtly selfish reason so that you can feel good enough. Aha! I once heard a quote from Mother Teresa, supposedly one of the most selfless people who ever lived. Nobody could say there was anything selfish about her lifelong devotion to the most desperate and helpless outcasts of society. I don't know if this story is really true, but she was reportedly asked what it was like to be such a selfless person, and she replied, I'm not selfless at all. I just want to get into heaven. What she's saying here is that she was absolutely aware of what she expected to get in return for doing all those good works. She didn't consider these acts of selflessness. She was glad to exchange material comfort in this lifetime for a ticket through the pearly gates. So, phase two. I learned that it was important to be aware of how I feel when I'm giving and acknowledge what I get from being a people pleaser. If it's something I need to feel okay in myself, then it's not selfless at all. And if I really want to be selfless, 
I have to be okay with myself even if I choose not to give. Even when I'm doing nothing but meditating all day for 10 days, contributing nothing to my own care because others are cooking and cleaning for me and paying for my food and lodging. It's good practice, of course, like that. It's a real challenge to your worthiness meter. Phase two was another important step for me in feeling my way out of the creepiness of letting others put me first once in a while. I have to be okay with myself, even if I'm not engaged in pleasing or helping. I can't ever be selfless unless I can do that. It's kind of like what I tell my clients about relationships. It's wonderful to have a partner to share your life with, but it's good to feel that you can reach the baseline of okay all on your own without anyone's help. Your partner should enrich your life, not help you to just reach the level of okay. You have to know that you're always okay, at least okay, no matter if you have a partner or not. So fast forward to when I heard Brene Brown say something that hit me right in the forehead like a freaking bolt of lightning. Her book, The Power of Vulnerability, is so full of pithy quotes I could meme her on Instagram for years without running out of material. Here's what she has to say about people who are all about it's better to give than to receive. She says, If you cannot receive help without judging yourself, then in some deep way you're judging other people when you offer it. Whoa! The thing that stabbed me in the heart about this quote is not that giving all the time makes you feel more worthy of love, praise, acceptance, whatever. It's the idea that if you're a loser when you're the receiver, then anyone who's receiving from you is somehow lesser than you want to be. If you're a chronic giver, you're a chronic judger. Oh my God. I've been pretty judgy about other things in life, as I also discovered during 10 days alone with my own company. So I can accept that I'm probably judgy about this too. I'm unconsciously judging others when I'm putting them ahead of me. Like, I would never be a taker like that. No way. Givers are better than takers. Of course they are. By giving, I'm asserting my betterness. Ew. Was that ever a wake-up call? Let's call it phase three. Now I get something I didn't get before. I so don't want to think of myself as judging others, of feeling superior. I can totally wrap my head around accepting help. Yes, even asking for help. Saying, sorry, no can do. I have to rest now. All out of steam. I don't have to get to where I'm running on fumes to stop. No more notches on my cane handle for being exhausted. And here's the stepmom part. Very few of us can say that we haven't overextended ourselves trying to make this role seem easy, natural, comfortable. It's not. And we're allowed to say so. It's awkward, challenging, frustrating on so many levels. Everyone is suffering around us and they act out. They provoke us or reject us or fail to notice that we're already squeezing ourselves dry to try and make it all okay. I'm here to tell you 
that you have to be okay with it not being okay. You have to put on your own oxygen mask and you have to know that your happiness is a birthright and not a reward. And if that's not enough, you can remember that if you find it hard to ask for help, you are judging those you're offering your own help to. That ought to smack you around a bit if nothing else does. Of course, I still get drawn into it once in a while. You can't expect to completely overwrite your deepest programs in a matter of weeks or even months, but it's a work in progress. And these phases might not come in the same order for you as they did for me. In truth, I think I probably go back and forth on them a little, depending on the circumstances. But now you have three tools to rely on, especially when it's time to step back and you can't quite figure out how to maintain your sense of identity without being a compulsive giver. So to recap, number one, put on your own oxygen mask first, even if it feels like it's for the others, for now. Number two, it's not okay if you have to give to be okay. You'll never be able to achieve real selflessness if that's true. And number three, don't be a judgy snot. You don't want to unconsciously believe that others are losers for accepting your help. And that means you're not a loser when you need help. And if you're a stepmom, that's all the time because it's bloody hard work and you deserve all the help you can get all the time, period. Want to talk about your struggles with putting yourself last but not least? Do you think you're ready to be supported in finally feeling okay with yourself as you stop overgiving in your step family or maybe even in your work life? Reach out to me for a free 20 minute strategy session and we can discuss whether one on one work with me is the kind of support you're looking for. You'll find the link for my calendar in the show notes. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to rate or review us on iTunes. That's the very best way you can help other high-performing alternative thinking stepmoms to stumble onto this show and discover a community of like-minded listeners around the world. According to Anchor FM, the platform I'm recording on, we're being heard now in 36 countries. I find that really exciting. If you're a social media kind of person, you're welcome to join my Facebook community by sending a join request to The Spectacular Stepmom. If you'd rather just get a more intimate weekly email from me, send me a message with the subject weekly email to info at essentialstepmom.com. Finally, I'd love to hear from you with questions or comments or situations you'd like me to address on this podcast. You can leave a voice message right here or send